The book of Galatians has time and again been used by God to begin a deep work in the hearts of his people. It has been referred to as the Magna Carta of the early church, the Declaration of Freedom. It would seem that each time God's people lose sight of the gospel of freedom and grace, God uses this book of Galatians to bring about a renewed excitement, a renewed passion for what real Christianity is all about, Jesus plus nothing. Let's join our teacher, Ross Gilbert, of Crossways to Life, as we study the book of Galatians to discover what we have been freed from in order to be freed to. So, starting in now in, in verse 26 of chapter 5, Paul's now going to really start to address relationships. So now we're, we're not to give opportunity to the flesh, but instead we're to, we're to live and walk by the Spirit, and we, therefore we won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so when flesh tries to get us to do something, we say no to it. We recognize that we're dead to sin, right? And that's, that's what, it, by putting to death the deeds of the body, by putting to death or crucifying the flesh, you're recognizing you are dead and free, and God lives in you. And as He lives through you, that's putting to death the desires, the passions of sin. And flesh, and that's that's what Paul is getting at. So now, in verse twenty-six onward, Paul's now going to say, "Okay, let's let's talk about relationships with one another. How do we do that? Well, let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. You see, again, guilty as charged, right? It's so easy to become now proud. Look what I know. Look what I've seen. Look what God has revealed to me. This wonderful message of grace." And now I use it to, to build myself up, to now become boastful and, and, and a little bit full of pride and, and thinking I'm better than another person. I, I become self-conceited. And then I begin to provoke people. And I poke them and prod them with this message of grace. And I take this message of grace and try to ram it down their throat. And, I mean, that's, that's not the way it should be. That's now me putting them under a law system. You need to know this, otherwise you're not okay. And then verse 1 of chapter 6, brethren. Now who, who is that immediately referring to? All Christians, right? That's going to be important because he says now, brethren, even if, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Now listen. This idea here, he's not talking, okay, pastors and church leaders. If you see someone caught in sin, you, pastors and church leaders, go and help them out. Right? I mean, this person that Paul is referring to in verse 1 was not somebody, you know, elected by the elders or chosen at a denominational meeting or a church meeting. Right? They're not even somebody with the spiritual gift of confrontation which many people think they have, and yet there is no such thing. Right? Be that clear. Right? But brethren, Christians, if anyone, any, anyone is caught in any trespass, if they're struggling, if they're in sin, and they're struggling with it, you who are spiritual. Now, what do you think he means by you who are spiritual? Christians walking in the Spirit. Yeah. I think at the very least it means you who aren't struggling with the same sin. 
right? For, if, I mean, if, if you're struggling with one, the, the same sin, the guy who's caught in it, how much help are you going to be? <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I know one guy, I know one guy who's not trusting in, 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 in God. He's not trusting in God with his marriage. He wants to go confront his wife about how she's not trusting in God with the marriage. And I said, do you think that's wise? I mean, you're, not, you're doing the same thing. Well, we'd just be the blind leading the blind. Isn't that okay? Uh, no, not so much, right? So at the very least, it means you who are not struggling with the same sin, but I think more than that, you who are walking after the Spirit, you who are not walking under law, you who are walking under grace, experiencing the life of Christ living through you. That's what it means to be spiritual. What are you to do? Condemn. Beat up. Judge. Convict. I mean, often what we try to we try to convict people of their sins. You know whose job it is to convict people of sins? So why do we try to be the Holy Spirit? Why not let God be God? Or do we not trust Him to do that job and therefore take it upon ourselves to do it? Let Him do it. So restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, in humility, in meekness. Again, I mean... I've seen it so many times. I've done it so many times. Where I see a brother who is caught under law or in some sin, and I beat them up. Good motives, trying to get them to see their other ways. But instead, in gentleness, I go after them. And I tear them down. And I'm biting and devouring one another. Careful, you're not destroyed yourself. Right? That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, this word restore, it is a great word. It's a wonderful word. In, in the Greek, it's, it's literally this. It's katartizo. I mean, it just sounds fun, right? Katartizo, right? Greek has such wonderful words. Hard for me to pronounce them all, but katartizo. And, and here, one definition that the Thayer has come up with, they've said it means to render, i.e. to fit, sound, or complete. And then they expand on it. And it says, well, it means this. It means to mend. It means to mend what has been broken or rent or torn to repair, to complete. So if, if you had fishing nets, being in this time of age, you had a lot of fishing nets, and you came in from sea and you looked and you're like, I wonder why I had no fish. And you look and you discover, you know, instead of a bunch of little tiny holes, you have, you know, one giant rip, <laughs> a giant hole, right? And they all got out. So what you would do is you would now catartizo your fishing nets. You would mend them together. You would fix them. Or maybe if you had a tear in, in, in your favorite dress or your favorite shirt, you would catartizo it, you would mend it, you would sew it back together. Or maybe something broke and now you want to put it back together with some crazy glue. You would catartizo it, you would repair it, you would restore it to, to new, to a new condition, right? But it's more than that. I told you it's a great word. It also means to fit out to equip, to put in order, to arrange, to adjust, to fit or frame oneself and prepare them. So not only would you fix them and put them back together, but then you would equip them to go on. That's incredible. Think about it. Why did the person get caught in the trespass? Why were they sinning in the first place? 
Why do you think they weren't walking in the Spirit? What were they looking for? They're looking to get their needs met. They're looking for love, and they're doing it the wrong way. And maybe they had no idea of how to walk in the Spirit, and they had no concept of it. Or maybe they did, but they were blowing it. So what do you do? You restore them. You put them back together. You love them. Because how does a Christian feel when he's sinning? And what's the enemy doing to him? So what do you do? You restore them. You build them back up. You're righteous. You know you're still righteous. You know God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's never going to change. You're 100% acceptable. That in itself takes the world off their shoulders. It's like removing a wet blanket to somebody who's suffocating under it. Deep breath. He loves you because 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 he loves you. you, Right? But then you now equip them. And you send them out there, but now teach them how to live properly. You who are spiritual, who have learned how to walk after the Spirit. Right? So you can now share with them and show them how they can now live, but not having to get their needs met according to the flesh, but how they can get all their needs met in Christ Jesus. Right? That they can be satisfied and now walk in victory, walk in the Spirit. Right? So you've equipped them, you've put them in order, you've arranged them, you've, you've got the, the, them to see how they can now live. You've revealed the gospel to them, this wonderful grace message. And then finally, it says ethically to strengthen, perfect, complete. And I like this one. Make one what he ought to be. You are ought to live in freedom. Because it is for freedom that Christ set you free. You are made to experience life and to abundantly life. Abundant life. Have it to its full. You are meant to walk in victory. And so what do we do? We help that one to walk that way, to walk in victory, to walk in freedom. See what I mean by a great word? Catartizo. Restore, mend, fix, repair, equip. Now listen, who does this fall to? Whose responsibility is this? Because Paul's given a command now, brethren, to anyone who is... If you think you're spiritual... If you profess to know this grace message, what is God wanting to use you to do? Restore. Not condemned to point out their failures, to convict, to beat up, to control, but to restore, to mend, to fix, to build up, to equip, to send out. That's what He is wanting to use you for. That's what He's wanting to do through you. Not my job. Not my job. Remember what we read in Romans 14. He is able to make him stand. Not my job. See. Okay. Yeah. I guess they're not ready for it yet. That's okay. No, 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 no. Remember, you're trying to restore. You're trying to love the person. I mean, what does God do with us? Yeah. How many people here have said no to God at some point in their lives? Be honest, right? Because you're before God. So, all right. 
We've all at one point, when God says do this, we ah, no, no. All right, that's it. I'm done. Is that what he do? Is that what he does? No, oh, what does he do? Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. But I will offer again. No, you love them. You restore them. You care for them. And God's right there waiting. And then other time he offers. And then what a lot of us do? No, not ready yet. Okay. That's okay. I'm not done giving up. I'm going to love you. I'm going to pursue you. Yeah. I think what you might be getting at is that there are times when certain people need to be, you know, you need to get away from them. Not like, get away from me, kind of, you need separation from certain people that could be, you know, toxic to your life and that kind of thing. But then I'm probably not going to be the one to restore them. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, if, if someone's toxic to me, I'm probably not the one to restore them. Right? That's what I'm saying. I'm just yeah. Saying, I think she, she was just but, but we're talking, she was talking about people tr who you're trying to restore and that yeah. reject that. Yeah. And if they choose to reject that, that's okay. That's, that's okay. their choice. That's okay. I mean, no, doesn't skin off me, uh, no skin off me. And, and, and that's the choice. I'm still free and I still love them and accept them. Exactly. Exactly. Right? But you see, what do we typically do? Oh no, you're going to get this. <laughs> you're, 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 oh, you come here. <laughs> you're going to get this one way or another, right? And I tried the gentle approach and now the gloves are off. And now we're going to do it another way, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're going to do a little testimony time afterwards. So, you know, line up, right? So, but that's not the way. That's not the way. Why? Because each one look into yourself that, so you will not be tempted, Right? See, maybe you're going to be that in that same shoes next time. See, how many of us could fit into this category have been caught in any trespass? Yeah. We're all there. One day you will be there. And how would you want someone to treat you? With a spirit of gentleness and humility and meekness and mildness. But what do we often do? Come up, all chest puffed up, and say, listen, you've blown it here. You need to fix this. I told you so. And we talk down to them. And God says, no, no. Restore them. Catartizo them. Yeah. I don't see accountability in catartizo. I see love. I see restoring. I see building up. I don't see accountability. I think that's God's job. That's God's job. Oh, boy, I said something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I get burned out. Absolutely. Do want to not be yeah. Absolutely. Testimony time will be later, but thanks for sharing. Yeah. It's, uh, you're right. It won't work. It won't work. And you'll quickly discover. You'll quickly discover. You know how you'll know how you shouldn't be doing that? Because you know what you'll be feeling? A burst of anger, strife, dissensions, fighting, ill will. I mean, what, what am I listing off here? These are the flesh, right? 
And that's what's going to come. Well, I think a lot of times, too, if, um, if we're not spiritual, like if we're not walking in the Spirit, depending on Christ in us, and we try, but, you know, we're maybe twice religious and mm-hmm. want to help, um, and maybe even want to do it gently, um, what are we going to restore them to? Well, to be what we're doing, love. That's right. So, you yeah. know, we'll help, we'll try to help them through love. Yeah. It's not those who are religious, <laughs> not those who are, are sinning the less, the least, or those who know the Bible the best. It's those that are called walking according to the Spirit. Well, that's it's interesting because we're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. So verse two now, moving on now says, now bear one another's burdens, carry their problems. You know, you might need to do that for a while to someone who's struggling, right? Walk with them, carry their burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Which is what? Love. Love. That's not a difficult command. I mean, we won't take the time to look at it, but if you look in John 13, 14, 15, time and time again, he says, love one another, love one another. Love just as I have loved you. And then a couple verses later, he'll say, by the way, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it for you. But I want you to love another person just like I love you. What's he trying to say? It's as if I were to say to you, okay, you know what? We have one condition. Before you have to leave here tonight, you have to solve a calculus problem. It's really important. It's a new law. It's at the back of Revelation. You didn't see it, but it's there. If you don't solve the calculus problem, you can't leave here tonight. By the way, by the way, I like calculus, and if you ask anything, I'll help you with it. But you need to solve a calculus problem. By the way... I like to solve calculus problems. And if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. But you have to solve a calculus problem before you leave here tonight. What, do you, what should you do at this point? Yeah. So if God is saying, Christ is saying, love one another, love one another. Oh, by the way, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Love one another, love one another. What's the divine hint in there? You can't love God and do it for you. Yeah. And guess what? You can't love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Divine hint right in that passage, right? Love one another. You can't do it, but if I ask anything in my name, and I'll do it for you. So we let him do it, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. It's not a difficult command, right? My, my burden is easy, right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light because it's my life, and he'll do it. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he has nothing, he decries himself. Don't, don't get all proud. Don't look down your nose at other people. Don't judge other people. Right? Remember, there is no partiality with God. There is no, neither slave nor, nor uh, um, free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is all one. So don't think you're better than another. You may know and understand grace more than others. But that does not matter. does not matter. Verse 4, but each one must examine his own work, and then he will be, have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to one another. It's not a competition. You know, often we've made it a competition within the church. I know more. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. How many people are coming to your church? How much is giving going on? How many people are serving? How many missionaries do you have? How many people have been saved? How many new converts? And we make it all these competition, and that's not the point. Don't worry about other people. Don't judge them. For each one will bear his own load. So it's not, now this load here is different than burden. 
This burden is talking about your problems. This load is talking about what responsibility God's given to you. Right? Because He gives us all responsibility. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, so that none may boast. It's a free gift of God. Right? Everyone know that passage? Verse 10, though, goes on to say, Now walk in the works by which God has laid out before you. Right? So he's laid out works that we would now walk in. He's given us things that he wants to do and don't freeload. Don't go lazy. The Christian life is not a passive life. As, as one person said, I like what F.J. Hugo said, it's not even an imitation of Christ. It's the participation of Christ. And what God is doing, he's inviting you and I to engage with him. He's inviting you and I to engage in the work of what he's up to. Right? That's what he says in John 14, 12. If you believe in me, the works that I do, you will do also. And greater works than these because I go to the Father. I used to think that meant that the works that I read about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if I put my faith in him, I'll do those same miracles, signs, and wonders. But it's not the works that I did, Jesus says. It's the works that I do. Meaning what? The works that Jesus is presently doing today. If I put my faith in Him and trust in Him, I will then begin to participate and join in His works that He's doing today. Right? So it's, it's an active life. It's a participation life. We are participating and walking with Jesus. And the one now who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, I'm going to pass a hat around this point. <laughs> I'm kidding. But here, let, let me be honest about this, though. I want to, you know, we make two mistakes in the church when it comes to giving. One, we talk about it too much. And we say, you've got to do, you've got to give, you've got to give, you've got to give. And if you don't give your tithe, you're robbing God. Have you heard that one? Does that sound like law of grace just on the surface? What do you think? Yeah. Manipulation and guilt. It is for freedom, right? It is for freedom. So we talk about it too much in some churches, but then we make another mistake and we don't talk about it at all. And that's an equally damaging mistake because it's in the Word of God. God talks about it. And it's right, it's good that you share in all material things with the one who teaches the Word of God. And so it's good to give. Now here's the thing. Do you need to give 10%? No, it's not about that. Nowhere in the New Testament does it talk anything about giving 10%. If you want to really stretch it and make a case, okay, here's the percentage they gave in the New Testament. Everything. Okay, so if you want to make it a law based on the New Testament, okay, 100%. I'm going to pass the hat now. Right? That's not what he's talking about. Right? Instead... What God says in 2 Corinthians 9 or 7, God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you want. You're free. So give what you want. Whether it be 1%, 2%, 3%, 15%, 20%, 40%, 1%. In fact, it's not even based on percent. It's just give. And whatever it turns out to it be, it is. Just give. Right? Give. Now, here's the thing I, I want to say. If, if you find a ministry out there that is worth supporting, be it 
for missions, be it for evangelism, be it for looking after after sick kids or being after, you know, teaching ministries, being it here at Crossways or on the TV or on the radio. I mean, I don't care who you give to, but give. Here's why. The word here, share, literally is, means to partner. And what you are doing and giving is you are partnering with that organization. You are now joining in the work that they're doing. You're supporting it. It's as if you're there. And not everyone can go. But some can support those that can go. Now, if God's calling you to do it, do it. If He's not calling you to do it, don't do it. Don't give. Don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of obligation. Give because God leads you to give. If we live by the Spirit, how should we walk? So let the Spirit lead you, right? And so if God says give, give. I don't care who you give to. I mean, I, I'm not against you giving here, but I, that's not the point, right? Verse 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. God is not ridiculed. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh, from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I mean, here Paul's going to lead into this idea of, of reaping and sowing. Now, I am most certainly not a farmer. I am a city boy. I say that to my shame. I mean, I, I wish I had some understanding of the farm, but I, I really don't. I, I know old McDonald's farm, and that's about it. And, and that, that's, that's a sad reality, right? But I do know a little bit, I guess, about this, this reaping and sowing, right? Whatever you sow, you will reap, right? If I, if I sow to the flesh, what am I going to get? I'm going to get flesh. I mean, if I go and I plant a bunch of corn, should I expect wheat? No. You always reap what you sow, guaranteed. There are consequences to every action. Guaranteed. The wages of sin, but the free gift of God, isn't that a good deal, right? So you always reap what you sow. More than that, you always reap after you sow, right? So in the moment that you're sinning, it feels good, right? Don't tell anyone sin doesn't feel good because that's a lie. In the moment, it does feel good. That's biblical. Hebrews 11.6 says that. For a season, sin feels good. But how does it feel afterwards? Yeah, worse than it was before. Right? Your low is lower than when you started. And it wasn't worth the high. But you reap that after. And it may not be right away. Sometimes you have to plant things and it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it might even take years before you start seeing the fruit. If I plant a little uh, uh, apple seed, when will I start seeing fruit? A long time, right? So you always will reap after you sow, and it may be a long time after you sow, but you will reap what you sow. Yes, Shannon? How do you 
It could be. It could be. Um, I, it, I think it's more about on earth right now. I think you'll see the fruit to some degree. I think you'll see it to some degree. Um, and maybe it will be in, on the other side of eternity. Uh, that's a different, that's a different sort of, yeah, yeah, that's a different context, yeah, that's a different illustration he's using here. What here Paul is saying is, is whatever you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh. So if I start living and walking after the flesh and I start sinning, how will I feel? Right? The full consequences might be later, right? But I will experience it. For example, there's a lot of, lot of people I, that I see in the counseling who are dead set, they want to leave their spouse, say. Right? And they decide, I'm leaving, and they go ahead and they leave their spouse. And they think, I'm going to be okay, and I warn them. And I take them this passage, and I, 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 I warn them with the great gentleness that I can. And I say, listen, listen, God will not be mocked. You will experience misery. No, 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 I won't. And they go and they leave. Immediately, immediately, they start experiencing that misery. They don't recognize it yet, but they immediately start experiencing that misery, and it just keeps going worse and worse and worse and worse. It, you're, that's, you're experiencing it in the whole being. You're experiencing that misery, right? You're experiencing death, right? You'll reap from the flesh corruption. Now, here's the thing. It's from what? From the flesh. It's not God punishing you, right? You are not reaping from God. It's a natural consequence. So who brought this on? You did. Don't go blaming God, Right? God didn't do this. In fact, God had nothing to do with it, and that was the problem, right? And so you'll reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows the Spirit will from the Spirit reap what? Eternal life, right? And here's the other thing. You always reap more than you sow, right? You will always reap more than you sow. Now, to, to drive this point home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to uh, play something for you. It's, uh, it's very serious, um, so... You know, I hope you understand. I'm warning you ahead of time now, so you you won't get too bogged down. But it's um, by uh, by a guy uh, named Tim Hawkins. Best, I love this one over food. Sometimes we pray over food and ask God to make up for our bad choices when we eat. That's funny. <laughs> what is Lord bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Lord bless this bag of Cheetos. And this Jumbo Dr. Pepper Lord somehow make this nourish us in some way. I don't know how you're going to do it, Father, but we just trust in you now. Father, change the molecular structure of this food. Change the Cheeto into a carrot stick on the way down. Spirit of low carb, rain down on me now. I pray a hedge of protection around my pancreas, Lord. Right now. Intervene. Okay, it sounds funny, but isn't that what we do, though? Right? Lord, protect me from my consequences. Right? 
you know, if you eat junk food and that's all you eat, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have high cholesterol. You're not going to feel good, right? And that's the same idea here, right? So verse 9, so let us not lose heart in doing good, for in time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Now, I find it interesting that Paul has this right after verse 6 here. And again, I think what he's saying here is, is share with those who are going to take the gospel to others, who are going to teach. And, you know, namely you teach you, but, but whoever teaches, go and share. Because you will participate in that gospel. And now what you sown in the sharing of that gospel, what will you reap? You will reap from that. Right? So let us not lose heart in doing good, for in time we'll reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, what does that tell you? In the now. now. Yeah, it's talking about now. But what else does that tell you? If now, while we have opportunity, what does that mean will happen someday? You won't have opportunity. You know, think about it. This, This time right now, is basically a speck on the timeline of eternity. Right? Whether you live, you know, 80 years, 100 years, or 50 years, it is a speck on eternity. Right? So for all of eternity, you're going to be experiencing something far greater than this, but yet there's something about this time that is crucial. And I really believe, and I don't fully understand it, but what happens here impacts eternity. Think about it in the simplest sense. When you're saved, when you receive Christ Jesus, does that have any impact on eternity for you? When did you make that decision? So a decision you make here has a great impact on eternity. Why is that limited to salvation only? It's not. It's not. And so Paul talks about storing up treasures in heaven. Right? And in the context, again, even God says, where is your treasure? Where is your heart? And in this opportunity, in this moment, you won't have it forever. It is but a speck on the timeline of eternity. While you have opportunity, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Let us do good too. Now, I looked up the Greek word all. You know what it means? Yeah, go figure. (laughs) Who knew? Right? So all people would mean? All people. You're getting it, right? I mean, it it means not just Christians, but even non-Christians. How do we know? Because he goes even on, and especially to those who are the household of the faith. Right? So do good to all people, unbeliever and believer. Right? But especially do good to those that are in the household. That's your brothers. Those are your sisters. Those are the people you're going to be with for eternity, right? Do good to them. Love them. Restore them. Cartartizo them. Those are spiritual that are walking and trusting in Jesus. Verse 11. See what what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand, right? If Paul was sending this as a text message, I imagine it would be all caps lock, right? with a lot of exclamation marks afterwards. I mean, let me make this clear to you. And Paul's now going to summarize what he's been saying in this book. So let me be clear. Pay attention, right? 
those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they compel you, they try to compel you to be circumcised. They try to get you to follow their rules, their religion, simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Who are they looking out for? Themselves. Their interests are not yours. For those who are circumcised, they don't even keep the law themselves. How do we know that? Because nobody can, except for Christ, and they're not Christ. So even they can't keep the law themselves. But they try to get you to do it? But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They may boast in your appearance. That's more important to them. But may it never be. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where the world has been crucified unto me and I unto the world. What a great verse. You see, the cross of Christ is more than just the forgiveness of sins. The cross of Christ also is the place where I was crucified with Christ. And who was I set free? I was set free from myself. I was raised up as a brand new person. And now Christ lives in me. That's the cross of Christ. But more than that, the world's been crucified unto me and I unto the world. You know what that means? You don't control me. You can't control me. Not unless I let you. I'm free from you. I don't need your love. I don't need your acceptance. I don't need your worth and your good opinion of me. I'm the one whom Jesus loves. I'm free from you. But you're also free from me. I can't control you. You don't need my love. You don't need my acceptance. You don't need my worth and my good opinion of you. Because you're the one loved by Jesus. You're free. You're free from the demands and expectations of others. You're free to be you. The beloved. The holy. The acceptable. The one whom God finds no fault. The loving. The caring. The one who will do the cartartizo. Restoring. You're free. So let's boast about the cross. Because that's what counts. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision. Let's bring this up to date. Neither is baptism or non-baptism. Neither is sprinkling or dunking. Neither is speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues. Neither is speaking in a heavenly voice or speaking in another voice. Neither is uh, wearing a head covering or not wearing a head covering. Neither is tithing or not tithing. Neither is it 10% or 9%. Uh, neither is it uh, one denomination versus another denomination. Neither is it King James or NIV. What other sacred cows can we tip over here? <laughs> neither is it hymns or worship songs. Neither is it guitars or pipe organs. Right? Neither is it uh, a liturgical service versus a free service. Neither is it those that I went to, you know, the free Mennonite or the unfree Mennonite. Neither the free Baptist or the unfree. It does not matter. It does not matter. All that religion is worthless. 
It doesn't count. It's all the appearance that man builds up and makes into something. What does matter, though? But a new creation. This is what counts. That's what matters. Are you a new creation or not? That's what counts. Have you been crucified with Christ? And does Christ live in you? That's what counts. And that's not something you need to pull off. That's something God did for you. Brethren, therefore, forgiveness of sins has been proclaimed to you. And therefore, if you believe in Him, in Jesus Christ, you are freed, justified, made righteous, accepted from all things of which the law could never set you free from. That's a new creation. And then in verse 16, I love verse 16 because Paul, he's got you know, two pastoral pot shots in here. I love it. And to those who want to walk by a rule, you want the law? Okay, here's the law. Here's the rule. Walk this way by being a new creation, making that what counts. Walk by letting Christ live through you. There's your rule. You want a rule? There it is. What will happen? Peace and mercy will be upon them. And upon the Israel of God. What's again he doing? Here's the second pot shot. Because he just talked about circumcision, right? Everyone says, well, if you're circumcised, then you're of Israel. And oh, no, no. <laughs> You'll be of Israel. You'll be the real Israel, the true Israel, when you understand that it's salvation by faith and living by faith. That's the true Israel. Has nothing to do with circumcision. You may be circumcised. You may be following the law. You may be born a Jew. But that doesn't mean you're the Israel. Another pot shot. So I shouldn't say pot shot. Another shot across the bow. Verse 17 then. So from now on, let no one cause trouble for me. For I bear in my body the brand marks of Jesus. Don't come after me. I fought this fight. Don't trouble me. Don't go around saying, oh, that Paul, he's soft. He's just a man pleaser. Mm -mm. No way. I will fight for you in your freedom, Paul says. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. This rule being that, you know, walking in, in the spirit and trusting in Christ, new creation, what counts, that idea, yeah. So how do we wrap this up? I want to take you through some key verses. And, I, and, and the first one here is in, in Galatians 2, and then the rest are, are Galatians 5, really, and, because that's the application. And, and Galatians 5 and 6 were the thing I, I was most excited about in this course because I think for most of you here, you already understood the first four chapters. You knew you were saved by faith and that you were made righteous by faith and were to live by faith. You knew that part. But now 5 and 6, I mean, for at least me personally... It cuts close to home. It begins to expose in me where, where I've been living wrong. I've been taking opportunity for my flesh. And that's okay because I'm so righteous. But it also shows me that I don't have to live that way anymore. But now I can be one of these cartartizo people. I can restore. I can mend. I can build up. I can equip. I can set right. So how do we do that? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I live in this body, in this flesh, I live by faith 
dependence, trust in the Son of God, the one who loved me and gave himself up for me. And it's for freedom that Christ set us free. That's why. So keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't let anyone put you under that law system again. You are okay. You are beloved. You are righteous. You are perfectly fine with God no matter what. That is forever settled. Done deal. Don't go back to that system. Stand firm in this message of grace. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only don't turn this freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, through love, serve one another. How do we do that? Well, those who are of Christ Jesus or are walking by Christ Jesus, well, they put to death the flesh and his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, if we're saved by the Spirit, that's salvation, then let us also walk by the Spirit. That's today. That's how we live. And then what's the point of it all? Well, for in Christ Jesus, neither is circumcision or uncircumcision or any of the other things we've said earlier, but faith working through love. Go love. Go be the church. Go love as you have been loved. Go accept as you have been accepted. Go care for as you have been cared for. Go be who you already are. Trusting in Jesus Christ to do that through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this awesome book of Galatians for its um, really uh, clearness and simplicity of this wonderful gospel. Salvation and righteousness by faith and by faith alone. And then living and, and, and experiencing life by faith in you alone. I thank you for the cross where we've been set free. Set free from our sins set free from ourselves, set free from the law and of sin, and set free from each other so we could be free to you, so we could be joined to you and now live and serve in a new way according to your spirit and your power. And I pray, Father, that this message that we've looked at these last five weeks would be more than just theology and information but we will be people that cartatizo people, that restore others, that we be spiritual, that we walk and trust in you, and that we can go and be who we are meant to be, your ambassadors, sharing your life and your light with the world around us, loving all people. May we never grow tired of doing that good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. I, I've enjoyed it. I'm overwhelmed by the turnout. I'm excited. And, and I hope to see you guys again. Okay? All right. This message was recorded by Crossways to Life. It is the desire of Crossways to Life to know Jesus deeper and disciple Christians to experience life in Him through the message of the cross. For more information about our ministry, 
upcoming courses and events, or how to contact us, please visit our website at www.crosswaystolife.org.